And I thought, well, what if we could get healthy continuously? What if, as we get older, we get better? What if we get, we get older, we get stronger, more agile, more flexible, more mobile, right? Stronger, with more power. What if we have better brain power? What if we had better health internally? What if, what if we structurally got better as we got older? Well, again, that sounds completely crazy because when you look at the society we live in, everyone who's getting older <clears throat> is not getting better. No. They're getting worse. You know? Right. The average age expectancy in North America is 77. And so that's only 12 years from now, Ian. You know, think about that. You know, you better start thinking about preparing to die. And all these things that these are the thought patterns that are in our society. They're deeply embedded within us. And I call that the death cult. That's, this is what I now know what it is. It's a death culture. We are living in a death culture. And you have to flip the script and turn it into a living culture. Whereas the older you get, the better you get. The more knowledge you have, the more wisdom, the more you can do, the simpler it becomes. And I watched my body go from a, like an 84-year-old biological age at 46, where I'm going to be dead in three years, to a biological age currently right now between 25 and 35, depending on what system is measured, wow. and my structural age between 25 and 30, because all my injuries got repaired completely without any technology and without any surgery at all. And I'm talking about severe knee injuries that were just devastating at 21. They got worse and worse and worse until I was 60. And then I found out how to repair my knee. And when I did that, I was like, well, what about the rest of my body? Welcome to today's episode of Unleash Thyself. I am your host, Constantine Moron, and today's guest is Ian Clark. Ian was given three years to live at the age of 40 and has healed himself to full health. And now, at the age 65, his health and energy levels are better than ever before. He is the owner and CEO of Activation Products, and he is passionate about helping educate individuals on health and wellness. So, prepare yourself for an unforgettable conversation that's sure to leave a lasting impression. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself, the podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your full potential. I am thrilled to welcome Ian Clark to the show. Ian, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you were on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Ian, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here as well, Constantine. It's a perfect, perfect timing. Absolutely. So tell us, where does uh, your journey begin in this beautiful transformation you've had over the last couple of decades? Well... Right before I tell you where it actually began, I just want to give you a snapshot of where I am right at this moment. I turn 65 years old in about one month from now, and I'm way healthier and in better shape overall than I was when I was 25, and I was in very good condition at 25. But in a, from 25 till 46 years old, which was only 20, 21 years, I had a very intense transition into a body that was going to be exited within about 36 months based upon heart disease, a huge tumor, and liver problems. And these were not due to like abusing my body. They Like I wasn't into alcohol or drugs or 
I stopped all that stuff when I was 21 years old and was never deeply into that anyway. But I had, I was completely jacked up with all kinds of different problems that my body could not deal with. And the doctors couldn't diagnose properly. They were looking at it from a standard medical view. And it was this really scary situation where I knew that I was in a world of trouble. And I also knew the doctors couldn't help me. And it was one of those things where you're reflecting back to my younger years when I was 20 years old. My, both of my uncles on my mom's side died of cancer at 51 years old and 54 years old in September 1978. And they died two days apart. And they followed exactly what the doctors told them that they had to do for the protocols, for the treatments, and they died right on time. And it was this totally bizarre thing because I remember at 20, that impacted my whole family. But it, it just, I just remember being one night at a party and it just impacted me. And I thought really deep about it. It just really had a, a, an imprint in my mind, in my heart, of how bad that was and how that they had no other choice and they were dead at such a young age. Now, I thought that 51 and 54 was old at that time, you know, because I was 20 years old. But I knew that it wasn't right. And so, you know, just fast forward from, from 20 to 46, not very much time. And there I was facing it all myself. And I, I, then I thought, well, it's 2004. Surely there must be a big difference in knowledge when it comes to what we can do about these things today. But there wasn't. It was the same thing. It was the same basic premise that, that my uncles were facing. You know, surgery, they call it the, the, the deadly disease. We don't, I'm not even going to use the name of it that they used because that's not important. But I, I woke up one morning and I knew that there were people on earth somewhere who had knowledge that was different than the doctors and that maybe there was a natural way or a healthier way to deal with what I had. And I just wanted to be led to those people. I just, I, I kind of had this knowing that, yeah, of course they exist. They must. And if I could be led to them, I would listen to what they had to tell me and I would do what they told me to do. I would just, whatever it took. It was one of those desperate moments where it's like, I will do whatever it takes. You know, spend whatever time and energy and money. I didn't have any money at that time because I'd just gone through a bankruptcy that, that very year. But I was willing to spend whatever it took. I was willing to suffer at whatever levels were required because I had a feeling I was going to be suffering because I was already in trouble. And I was willing to have much fun as required. It was just like, just opened up. It, whatever it takes, I want to get this thing sorted out because I do not want to be leaving this earth. And it's, it's crazy at 46 years old. You know, my wife and I have seven children and we've gone through all kinds of things to get to that point at that point. You know, and it was great. We, we kept having children until we got girls. We expected to have a boy and a girl like everybody else. Yes. But we ended up with five boys and two girls with this major responsibility. And my body's going to exit and I'm not going to be here to support all that. It was, it was bizarre. I just thought this can't possibly be. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love the inspiration I told you. You didn't give up, right? You, you made the choice. Did you make the choice to not give up the moment you were diagnosed? Because it sounds like that year was a very tough year with a bankruptcy and everything else that happened. Or did it take a bit of time to sink in and realize, you know what? I have a choice here. I can put up a fight and I can do, I can do something about it. 
Well, it was kind of a slow thing. There was there was no like huge clouds breaking open day. It was this thing like, hey, buddy, you know, talking to myself. It's like there's something really wrong. What what have you done to cause all these problems? You know, tell talking to myself. Because I was tending to blame everything else. I wanted to find fault with everybody and everything around me to to at least shift the responsibility away from myself because I felt like I was a loser, you know, an ultimate loser between bankruptcy and now facing a body that was falling apart. And it, it was this slow thing that I had to come to terms with the sowing and reaping principle. And And people use sowing and reaping as a religious term. It's not a religious term. It's a real term. It's like a farming term. You know, if the farmer plants these seeds, he's going to get that harvest. If he doesn't watch it and has all these weeds that come in, he's going to have a problem. And so I knew that I had allowed things to happen in my life that caused this somehow. I just didn't know what those things were. And I was reaping this super ugly harvest because I was in terrible shape. Not only was I very sick, I didn't look good. It was very pasty and very unhealthy and very miserable. And when you're like that, the last thing you want to do is stand up and fight. Absolutely. It's the last thing. It's like, you know, you just want to lay down and die. And that's what most people do because they're that sick. And a lot of guys die in their 40s, you know, because of these issues. And it was like, so I got to a place where I was like, no, that, that would be so embarrassing. It was literally an embarrassment. Like my ego, my pride was like, I can't let this happen. That was kind of the first thing. And and then I realized, but no, I think I actually think it's my responsibility. So I talked to my brother, my oldest brother, Doug, who's a doctor. So I was the youngest of five children. And whenever somebody would come up in the medical world with my body over the years, which was not very many things before that, I'd had a, like a hiatal hernia with my gut when I was about 30 years old. And anyway, I phoned him up and I told him all the things that the doctors were telling me in Toronto. And he goes, listen. You have to follow through. He was completely allopathic. He, he said, I have had thousands of people come through my clinic. He had 11 doctors working with him in his clinic for him kind of thing. But he was the main GP. And he said, I've seen all walks of life, every type of person, all people trying to do all kinds of different things. You know, the person who juices and eats organic and they're dead at 36 of cancer and the guy who you know, eats out of the dumpster and parties his face off and dies at 94. He said, it's all genetic predisposition. You know, each person is given a set of cards that they're handed and they've got these cards they got to deal with. You know, he said, you look like Uncle Don, my, my uncle who died at 51 in 1978, which is true. I did look like him. And he goes, you know, you're genetically predisposed to this. You don't know what you're doing just because I kept asking him, is there any other thing we could do? Like, like any of the answers the doctors were giving me. I also didn't like the fact that they couldn't answer my questions, which were simple. Like, why is this happening to me? Where is this coming from? And they all just would defer back to, look, this is a very common thing for people your age. And, you know, it's like I was a statistic to them. Exactly. And that, so he, he was just saying, this is genetic predisposition. You don't know what you're doing. They can help you go to the doctors and do everything that's required. And I, I made the suggestion to him that I, I said, I think it's me that's the problem. I think there's something going on where I need to take responsibility. He goes, no, absolutely not. Because the moment you do that, you're going to start stressing yourself out. 
The more you stress yourself out, it releases these hormones that disrupt your system. You're going to get all afraid. You're going to be all upset. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> like, I can't, do, I can't do anything. I said, you yeah. know, it's not what I'm eating. It's not, no, no, no. It's nothing to do with those things. You're just like everybody else. You're not doing anything weird. It's just, this is the way it goes. You know, look at Uncle Don. And how did you take that when you had a message? Because, of course, you, you tried to fight back. He was adamant. Of course, he had the experience, right? The knowledge from, from school, from medical school. And, of course, he didn't give up. So what happened next there? How did you navigate that situation where you felt alone, right? Because you wanted to do something, but you were told you couldn't. Yeah, well, before that conversation ended that day, I said, well, regardless of all those things and all my brother's experience on the ground with all those people, I said, none of that information helps me. You know, it doesn't do me any good to think I'm genetically predisposed to this. I said, I have a suspicion that is probably everything I'm doing and everything I know that's the problem. And I want to find out. And, he, and so he, he said, you're crazy. You're committing suicide. He literally phoned my mom after that. And he said, you know, Ian's gone off the rails. He's going down the garden path. He's going to commit suicide if he doesn't smarten up. And that's how it was. And when I heard that, I said to my mom, I said, okay, we got to tell the whole family back off. Like that is totally stupid. I'm not going to accept that kind of talk. Just, I need a 24 month window to get this thing figured out. I didn't know how long it was going to take. I just said, give me 24 months. Don't bug me. I'll, I'll let you guys know. And so very slowly, but surely I was led to people who had some information that was enough to get me away from all the stuff that was poisoning me, you know, like the foods and the genetically modified organisms and all the, the, the traditional foods that people eat from restaurants and whatever, and all the fast foods. I got away from that. That was the beginning. And then I got into eating more organic food, and then I got into juicing, and I kind of went radical in that first 24 months because I didn't know what I was doing. And I, but I ran into people who were eating raw food and they were vegan and they were doing whatever. So I thought, I'll try that. I mean, I'll try anything. And I suffered quite a bit during that time. I went, I lost about 90 pounds. I went down to a skeleton looking type person. I was very, I wasn't skeletish totally, but I was really skinny. And I turned kind of an orangish color because my liver was maxed out. And I just went through all these iterative changes. And then the more I learned, the more I was able to extend my time because this big tumor that was in between my legs was the most dangerous thing. And it was growing and it, it extended out, you know, it was like right up against the prostate. It wasn't prostate cancer or anything like that. It was just this tumor that was attached to the colon and then it grew into the scrotum and the rectum and it was this totally uncomfortable, painful thing. And I just was, I just kept cleaning up and cleaning up and cleaning up. And, and that, that's when I realized that I was going to have to reap the whole harvest of everything I'd sown up to that point and start planting really good seeds now to reap them in five to six years. So I used that first 36 month window, which, which was, you know, I have 36 months left to live to extend that to 60 months, to extend that to 10 years eventually. And today to extend it indefinitely because of what I learned in this last 19 year period has been profoundly excellent. And it got simpler and simpler and simpler. So if I could take the knowledge that I have now and go back to myself in 2004, I would have been out of that situation within six months to a year at the most. 
knowing what I know now, and I would not have had to spend much money. But back then, I had there was a very substantial amount of money that had to be invested to learn and understand the things that I had in that first 36 month period. And in 2007, uh, I, I found out about a thing called marine phytoplankton from a gentleman out in Vancouver who was connected to some people in Europe. And that was the beginning of a, of a journey into the business world of the natural products. Because when I took the stuff, it just made me feel like, like it really made me feel good. Like I had sort of an enthusiasm and a joyful energy and I felt better. And that encouraged me to get, I said, man, that feels good. Can I feel better? You know, and all the detoxes that I went through and all the rebuilding of my body. And that turned into a business because I was telling a few people in Canada about it. And they just turned their nose up at it. It was like, oh, what's that? You know, like marine phytoplankton. Is that like algae, like spirulina? That's already out there. This is nothing new. And so I took it down to California and I told some people down there. And that immediately started a business that we didn't even realize we were going to get into because they kept asking me, they, well, yeah, yeah, we want, like, I'll order a thousand bottles of this stuff. And so that's how it began. And in the first 24 months between the beginning, kind of the middle of 2007, actually, for the next 24 months, we did about 2.8 million in sales of that product wow. just by sending it down to the States. And these people were, were buying a thousand bottles at a time and just, selling it to their friends. We didn't have a company set up. We had no insurance. We had we just set up a little clean room in our basement in Toronto and we were shipping them down by the post office and didn't know you couldn't do those things or you could. We just did whatever we, we could, right? And we were flying stuff in from Europe on FedEx, just had a little bit of money to work with. And then that money started to build up and we had enough money then to do more research. And then it, then it just opened up all the floodgates. From that point till then, till now, around $85 million has come in to be able to use, not to, like, we're not, we don't live a rich lifestyle and we're not rich people. So $85 million was used to do research. And, and the research meant, let's find out the truth. Don't, don't get to do more things. I, I knew that at the beginning of this journey, that it would be very, very important to do less and less and less to get more and more effect. You know, it was, it was pretty weird because back in 2007, I was sitting on my couch one night and I was thinking about being healthy. Yeah. Hey, you know, all of us should be healthy. And I think I have this feeling that all of us should be healthy for no cost. What if? But that seemed ludicrous at that point to logical thinking because, you know, I got through all this stuff. I had to do a whole bunch of things. And I'm seeing all these people spend all this money on expensive food and expensive protocols and devices and supplements. And it's a really expensive thing. So it was a, this paradox. It's like, what if being healthy was actually free? Is it possible? And, and I, it just seemed like that would be too good to be true. Kind of a, a silly thought. But I was open to it. I was really open to that idea. And I just left myself open. You know, what about injuries? What about, because I had a bunch of injuries in my body from the oil field when I worked 17 years in the oil field. Yeah. Plus I was a very active person, you know, did all kinds of like water sports and snow skiing and all kinds of things. And I got injured. And these are really chronic injuries. Injuries so much that I could no longer water ski or snow ski, like knee oh. injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I had a crushing injury when I was 21 years old on an oil rig 
And so I had those things going on and they were a problem that wasn't being dealt with. And I knew the internal problems, your organ function, your brain function, your ability to have a good, strong immune system, your endocrine system, your digestive system, all these things, your, the cardiovascular, your autonomic nervous system. There's this whole thing I had to learn all about and how, how those things have to all work together because they're all connected. And a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You know, you could have everything really good and a bad heart, you're dead. You know, everything really good but a bad liver, you're dead. And I watched people dying in the health space. And it would always shock me, people who would die earlier than you would think they would. They would get cancer. They would have a heart attack. They would get just weird stuff. Like, why did that happen? That person was fit and healthy. You know, the guy that sold the power bars, you know, died at 54 years old, you know, 12 months after he sold his company for $100 million. You know, he's standing at the bank, he's a runner, and he collapsed and died of a heart attack because he got, got plugged up with all size LDL and it killed him. You know, and I started to learn that the first sign of heart disease is a funeral for most people. Oh, well, yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, I made it to the hospital and got stents. You know, all the, all the stuff that goes on. The body's very fragile. And I knew that. And I'm like, okay, so being healthy for free? What a concept. But what if it was true? Well, it turns out that it actually is true. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But, you know, so now that, you know, I could know with the knowledge I have now, I go back to myself in 2004 and say, okay, Ian, <laughs> this is the problem. This is the actual problem you've got. You're going to have to do this, 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 and this. You're going to go through a roller coaster for a little while. But we're going to get you out of that dying situation. So that took me from 2004 to 2009 to get out of the dying situation by, by not knowing what I know now, but knowing enough to kind of get going, right? And so I was back in the medical range by the middle of 2009. And I was so, I was like comfortable. I was like, okay, good. So at least I've got some bandwidth to work with. But normal medical range is boring because what does that even mean? What is normal based on what doctors believe? Okay, that's, that's all fine. And I thought, well, what if we could get healthy continuously? What if as we get older, we get better? What if we, got, we get older, we get stronger, more agile, more flexible, more mobile, right? Stronger with more power. What if we had better brain power? What if we had better health internally? What if, what if we structurally got better as we got older? Well, again, that sounds completely crazy because when you look at the society we live in, everyone who's getting older <clears throat> is not getting better. No, they're getting worse. Yeah. Right. The hockey players have to retire at 40 and the, you know, the, the baseball pitcher has only eight years and his shoulders worn out and, you know, people, you know, they retire at 65. Like I turned 65 in June. <laughs> what, I, I will never retire because I don't even know what that is now. You know, I've no, why would we retire? For what? Oh, because we're getting old and we're slowing down and our brain doesn't work as well. And we start forgetting stuff and, you know, we're getting weaker and we're more susceptible to disease. And, you know, time goes on and, and you know, at 77 years old, the average age expectancy in North America is 77. And so that's only 12 years from now, Ian, you know, think about that. You know, you better start thinking about preparing to die and all these things that these are the thought patterns that are in our society. They're deeply embedded within us. 
And I call that the death cult. That's, this is what I now know it is. It's a death culture. We are living in a death culture. And you have to flip the script and turn it into a living culture. Whereas the older you get, the better you get. The more knowledge you have, the more wisdom, the more you can do, the simpler it becomes. And I watched my body go from a, like an 84-year-old biological age at 46, where I'm going to be dead in three years, to a biological age currently right now between 25 and 35, depending on what system is measured, wow. and my structural age between 25 and 30, because all my injuries got repaired completely without any technology and without any surgery at all. And I'm talking about severe knee injuries that were just devastating at 21. They got worse and worse and worse until I was 60. And then I found out how to repair my knee. And when I did that, I was like, well, what about the rest of my body? And so there was all these things that happened traditionally to people as they get into their 60s. Yeah. You know, sore feet, bad ankles, all the, you know, sore muscles, deterioration, bad shoulders, hip replacements, knee replacements. These are things that are super common now. And I found out the reason all those things are happening and how to stop all of it and then how to reverse the, all the injury that happened just from moving around. That's just impressive. I don't even have words to describe what I'm feeling right now. I mean, not only did you challenge the status quo, right? You, you went above and beyond, did your own research and tested on yourself to see what works and what you can bring forward. What have you seen in other people following either similar protocols, let's say switching what they eat or how they eat, and of course the supplements you mentioned earlier, what do you see most commonly in others? Well, I think everyone wants to feel good. They want to look good. They really do. They don't want to get old and die, the people in the health space. So mainstream people who are not health conscious and they live their life and they don't want to rock the boat and they, want to, they don't really want to stand out of the crowd. They don't want to have to, to you know, justify or defend some natural means of doing things because the whole world is mostly allopathic. So you know, you've got your mainstream population that eats all the branded foods and does everything the doctor says and they go to the dentist and they, they just do the standard stuff, which is their, their business. I, I am in full support of everyone doing what they want to do. So this is an interesting thing because if I don't want you to do what you want to do and I want you to do what I want you to do, I'm trying to control you. Why would I want to do that? What am I going to try to mind control you with neuro-linguistic programming? You know, no. <clears throat> so I always tell people, I, I, I take as much heroin as I want every day. I snort as much cocaine as I want. I drink as much alcohol as I want. I do as much abusive stuff to my body as I want. And there's no problem at all because I do as much as I want. And they're like, what do you mean heroin and cocaine and alcohol? Come on, those are poisons. I go, exactly. I do as much as I want. I do absolutely zero. I never, never touch any of that stuff because I know exactly what it is. I know exactly the problem with it. And I do as much as I want. I want zero. Because I learned, oh, that's what that stuff is. People don't snort coke and shoot cocaine and drink alcohol because they're bad people. They do that because they want to feel good. That's why they do it. They don't do it for any other reason. They don't do it to be bad people. They just don't know the price that's attached to that. They don't understand it. Maybe they're told, but they don't believe it. You know, 
So people want to feel good. Now that's well, I mean, the case. The benefits outweigh the price as well, right? Because they may know the prices. Unfortunately, could be an early death, could be addiction, could be loss of money, friends, whatever. But to your point, if someone doesn't feel happiness, doesn't feel joy, and that gives them that something, it makes sense why people would jump into it and stay in that place. For sure. Like they say, whiskey might shorten your life, but you see twice as much in half the time. Yeah. I mean, right? it's not wrong, right? Right. But the, but the whole thing is, it's a risk reward. So high risk, low reward. People think, oh, I don't care if I die in my 40s. I'll just party my face off and have a good time. And I'll live twice and three times the life anybody else will. Well, the truth is, when you hit your 40s and you're going to die because you abused yourself, you then you find out that you actually did care a lot more than you thought. People, oh, I don't care. I'll just do whatever I want. Well, you, okay. <laughs> you should never say I don't care because you really do care. I cared a million times more than I thought when I was facing an, an early exit. You know, it's like I, my arrogance and my bad attitude had to go away because that was killing me. So when it comes to supplementation, when it comes to meditation, exercise, eating clean, you know, being conscious about things, those are all things that the people in the health conscious world are very, very familiar with. And they have a better lifestyle. They have a higher quality of life. And they live about 3 to 5% longer than normal people by living that kind of a lifestyle. And that's about all they get. So they get a better quality of life and about 3 to 5% longer. So, so instead of dying at 77, they might die at 81 as an average. And that's not great. So I, when I stood back and looked at that and I thought, oh, here's the mainstream. They live, you know, some people live till 100 years old doing no health conscious stuff at all. Other health conscious people, some of them live right till 100 years old by doing health conscious stuff. These ones have a better quality of life, but there's something missing and something wrong, deeply wrong, that's causing this kind of to be an average, regardless of how health conscious people are. And I was just like, what is missing? What are the biggest rocks? What are the things that we're, none of us are talking about because we don't know? And I would be open to being guided to what those things are. And it was kind of that thing where it was like, I think being healthy could be free. I just don't know how, but I would be open to it. So in 2017, it was kind of like the first iteration of the major key that was handed to me to start to do physical things with a physical body. Because I could talk all I want and tell you all these things, but if I can't show you physically what's going on, then it's just, it's theory. It's my, you know, I'm, maybe I'm trying to be a guru and get people to follow me because I'm so, so knowledgeable. You know, this is the kind of weirdness that goes on out there. None of those things are, are valuable to people. If I have been given a key and I go, oh, I wonder if this is really going to work. And I put the key into the lock and it, sure enough, it works. And then you see my body completely change because I could show you the changes that are physical that you're seeing as believing. In the physical world, you got to see it. Exactly. You can't, right? You can't fake it until you make it. <laughs> you know, in the spiritual realm, you could fake it until you make it, so-called, because it's so etherical, right? You know, and esoteric. But in the physical world, it's hardcore. You're on the ground. There's nowhere to hide. You either are getting worse or you're getting better. It is measurable. It's truly measurable. So show me. 
So when I started learning about this way to heal all my injuries, and then I realized, hold it, it's not just injuries. It's not just getting organ function up. It's my entire body. Because my entire body got filled with nano razor blades somehow. And when I'm talking about nano razor blades, people got okay, so we know that a nanoparticle is a thousand times smaller than a microparticle. A microscopic particle is so small, you can't see it with your naked eye. You know, if we shine a light here in the room, a really bright light, and it'll show millions of little dust particles, we can see those with our naked eye. Those are not, not microscopic, obviously. And then when you look into the one liter of air in front of me, and you shine a light and you put a microscope on it, that microscope is going to see microscopic particles by, by you know, tens of millions. If you get a nanoscope that can see nanoparticles that the microscope cannot see because they're too small, you have quadrillions of particles in the air right here in this room in front of me, right in that room in front of you. It doesn't matter if you're out on the coast by the ocean or if you're up in a mountain or downtown Toronto or wherever you are, it doesn't matter. You're going to find quadrillions of these particles in the air that you cannot see, you cannot smell or taste or sense, but they're there. And how did they get there? They got there based upon pollution. What do you mean? Like industrial smokestacks? Or, well, that's one of them. But the main thing that none of us are thinking clearly enough about is what, what is happening with all the vehicles driving around. You know, everybody's worried about CO2 emissions and, you know, they call fossil fuels. There's no such thing as fossil fuels. There's oil and gas in the ground of this earth way, way, way down, you know, from 3,000 feet to 50,000 feet. And they're not dinosaurs that fermented, <laughs> you know. This is a massive renewable resource that there's so much abundance of oil and gas on this earth available to us, we would never run out in a trillion years. There's that much, because I worked in the oil field for 17 years and saw what was going on. And so everybody's like, CO2 emissions are the problem, and climate change is the problem. It's like, oh, right, okay. So tell me another one. The true problem is rubber dust that wears off the tires. And tires are made of rubber and cotton and plastics and epoxies and resins and metals and chemicals. And there's 10 billion pounds in the United States every year that wears out into the air from centrifugal force that goes a mile and a half above all the highway. There's no rubber on the ground. And there's enough tire sales to cover 10 billion pounds of tread that wears out the trucks. And that is floating a mile and a half above every highway. It goes to the top of mountains, to the bottom of lakes, into every house, into every one of us, all over all the food that's grown, organic or not. And it's all nanoparticles. And they look like little razor blades. And you're breathing them. So that's just one thing. Out of the thousands of pollutants that are in the air, then you have so great... What can you do about those, right? Because it doesn't sound like you have much of a choice as a human being on this planet now with all the rubber around you. You have no choice at all. You, you are going to breathe that in. Therefore, you have to find out how to get it out of your system. And if you don't get it out of your system, and hardly anyone knows how to do this, you are going to accumulate it until you're wearing your hips and knees out until you are dead. If you look up the two terms, particulate matter, everybody needs to learn these two words. Put them together, particulate matter, look it up. There is research that, that admits, they don't publish it in the news, they admit, yes, this is actually what's killing everybody. Okay. Honestly, this is what's killing everybody. 
This is where all the disease comes from. This is where all the injury wearing out. This is all the plugging up of the body, the cardiovascular system getting hardened, the, the, the brain problems, just everything is coming from particular matter in that invisible world of quadrillions of nanoparticles being breathed every day. And you, as, a, as an adult, breathe 11,000 liters of air per day. And you're not going to stop breathing anytime soon. Ideally not, yeah. <laughs> yeah you better not, because that's over. So, and, and so the, one of the other super contaminants that they're not talking about ever, and nobody for some reason ever thinks of it, and I don't know why my brain, it just thinks about stuff. And I go, well, what about this? And what about that? What about the cremating of the bodies? So in the last 25 years, we went from like 20% of the people being cremated to 80% of human bodies being cremated. They're also cremating all the animals that get killed on the highway every day. You know, look it up. Apparently, like a million animals are killed. Now, they only cre cremate the dogs and the cats and the big, the big game. But when you cremate something, it means you're burning it to an ash. They have filters on the stacks that don't let the ashes go up. But they cannot stop under any circumstances the off-gassing of the burning of that body. So when you burn something, it releases all the garbage from the heavy metals, the chemotherapy, the pharmaceuticals. The, you know, it's a, a human body that finally died because it's so full of toxins, it's dead. And then they burn it. And they put all of the funeral homes and the crematoriums in our neighborhoods. They're not in industrial areas. They're in their neighborhoods. Just go on Google Maps and type it. They're everywhere. So you're breathing these dead human bodies that are burnt into your face and it's off-gassing and there's all those nanoparticles. Those are real. And they used to bury the bodies in the ground, which the bodies would then decay. The caskets would fall apart with all their epoxy resins on them and all the fancy, shiny casket stuff, right? And all like the felts and the glue. Yeah. And, the, and all that would go down into the water table and poison the water tables. Well, that's stupid. Right? What, what should you do with the human body when it dies? You just do one thing. You compost it. And they, they've already figured it all out. If you go to Oregon and Colorado in the United States, those are the only two states where they passed a law that says you can take a human body and compost it. Every other state, it's illegal. Yeah, you know, I've heard about that, actually, the procedures, and I've seen a couple of shows on it. It's pretty fascinating once you go down the rabbit hole and see what you could be doing to right. benefit everyone. Not just everybody. Every but every human body that passes away, it has everything. All the bacteria and all the worms are inside the body, and they just take the body, they put it on top of compost material, they put more compost material on top of the body in a tube, they let air run through it just to keep the equilibrium of the temperature because it's going to heat up inside the compost material. In thirty days, it completely blows up underneath the compost material turning it to dirt. Even the bones are disintegrated to dirt in 30 days only. That's how powerful the bacteria is in our system. That's why it's there to eliminate the body once it's finished with. Then they take the dirt and they fertilize the forest. If there's any metal fillings or implants or something like that, that, that is pulled out of the dirt. But all the chemotherapy resins, all the pharmaceutical garbage, all their toxicity in that human body gets converted to inert matter through the fermentation process. It doesn't off-gas into the world around us. We don't breathe it in again, accumulating it again. 
right? So that is exactly what should be happening. And but there, but it was happening. Why didn't the news like this is logical, mathematical, scientific speaking here? Everybody can go, yeah, that makes sense, and yeah, that's actually true. Well, so, so why are we? Why isn't everybody finding out about it? And and what is killing us is what we're breathing. It's not just eating the bad food and not being conscious about our our daily life. It's about breathing this garbage. And how do you get it out of your system? Because that's the the trillion dollar question. Yes, absolutely. And so thankfully, there is an answer. So before we go to that answer, I mean, I can't wait to hear it because I, to be honest with you, once you explain the way you did it, it is logical. You cannot unsee it and unthink it. But I never thought of it the way before. And you're right, because why do I have to change my tires on my car every year? Where does the, all that debris that comes off of it go? And now it makes sense with all the cars in the world, right? And why the air pollution? And of course, the CO2 has a factor to play in it, perhaps. But the rubber part, with all the chemicals, are a huge amount. Like, honestly, I never thought of it that way. And the way you explain it is like, wow, okay. So how much more do we not know? Because like you said, if we can't see it, it's not there. <laughs> right. In our conscious minds. Exactly. And so once you delve into the microscopic world that we live in, which is far greater in volume than what we can see with our, our naked eyes. And it's shown in a microscope. Everybody can look at a microscope and go, wow, look at that, right? And, and so that opens up our thinking. But I think a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to ask these questions. They, Ignorance is bliss. Don't tell me about what's in the air. I'll be bothered by all the air. Well, you can do something about it. Because if there wasn't an answer to this problem, then it would really suck, Right. Or we would have to find, I mean, search really hard to find that answer, right? Because there'll be two two types of people I would imagine. Those that, like in your case, would go look for the answer, small percentage, and those that would give up, which is what, you know, you had to go through when you had your experience 20 years ago. People told you to give up, follow whatever they told you. You'd live three years and then that's it. Right. And I've, I've had many people tell me, well, you know, I just want to get out of here. Like, you know, when I get up in the morning and I put my feet on the earth, it is painful. It is suffering. It is, I'm done with this. I don't want to live a long time and have all these problems and all these traumas and stresses and problems with the economy and problems with politics and problems with my family and problems with my friends. And, you know, every time I'm putting myself at risk, just being alive. And so this is the death culture that people are in. They're like, like, why are you here then? Like, what on earth? Who are you? Anyway, where did you come from? What are you doing here? What's your purpose? You know, where are you going when you leave here? Who are you? <laughs> and, and these are the questions that people have to be able to answer to give themselves the actual purpose to know, oh, no, this is a very unique opportunity here. We're here for a very definitive reason. We're here on a massive adventure. It involves joy. It involves suffering. It involves victories, it involves defeats, it involves growth, it involves, you know, stagnation, it involves setbacks, it involves advancing forward, There's all these things that we, we're in this massive adventure. And the more you experience, the greater the quality and the fulfillment of your life is. You know, if we were just trying to, oh, I don't want to suffer, I just got to sit over here. Okay, that's not living life. Yeah, And it will come to you eventually, right? Even like you said, even if you do all the things right, it will still catch up to you. Yes. Yeah, because there's so many moving parts and so much stuff happening around you, you can't control that. Yeah, think of all the iterations 
of the billions and quadrillions of things that have happened in, in our lives together just to get us on this, this podcast together. What are, the, what are the chances of us being here? It's not a random chance thing. There was all these things that happened that brought people, to bring people together to do things that they do. And this is a, a super amazing adventure. So therefore, you, we all know that the longer we're here on this earth, the more valuable we actually are. Because we're learning more, we've got more experience, we've got more wisdom, we've got more knowledge. We've got all the things that are going to make things better and better as time goes on. Look how much better the cars are alone, you know, going from 1950 to today. There's no comparison. It's a different universe. They still have tires and steering wheels, but everything else is completely different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a beautiful way to look at things, right? Instead of you're mentioning earlier on what, you know, I was someone that believed this a long time ago as well. As you get older, things will get worse. But what if? And you put a very interesting thought in my mind. I'm like, okay, now it's time to rethink, right? It's challenging the status quo. And sometimes we have the blinders on. I see myself all the time. And until you hear someone challenging a specific topic or area that I haven't even considered, it's like, you know, business as usual, move on. I don't know any better. And that's why I believe messages like yours and you've done the research, right? You've tested on yourself are so important to get out there because we don't know what we don't know. So how do we get that information? That's right. And our subconscious mind, or people can call it the unconscious or the subconscious, I don't care what term they give it. It's that thinking that's in the background at 100% of the time that is not in our forefront. Our subconscious believes every single thing we tell it. It's completely passive. It's called passive faith. Yes. It's just passive. If I say something about myself or to myself or something is true, which it could not be true at all, or it could be totally true, it doesn't matter. My subconscious is going to believe it. So I better be careful what I hear and what I tell myself. I, be, I have to know discernment. I, every, all of us have to become very discerning. And we, we get that way by knowledge, by actual knowledge of tried and true things. And we're not out to prove ourselves right or wrong. We want to just know the truth. So, and our body also believes everything you tell it. So if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you have cancer, you have, you know, you know, aggressive sarcoma in your soft tissue, and you have three months to live if you don't do chemotherapy starting Monday, you know, and then, you know, the person hears that and they go home to their family. Oh, I have soft tissue sarcoma. It's very aggressive. I have to start chemotherapy on Monday. And the body, their own body is listening to everything they're saying. You know, that's why people, when they tried to try to put on me that I was a cancer survivor, they go, not a chance. I've never had cancer in my life. I didn't have cancer. The tumor was based upon, of course, it looks like cancer, sounds like cancer, you know, right? But it's, no, it wasn't cancer. It was based upon a fungal overgrowth in my body that I couldn't resist against. It was mixed up with heavy metals and estrogens, plastics, chemical, like just garbage, bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth. And it was this thing that came into my body to try to protect me against all that stuff and trying to accumulate and hold that into this, this thing, right, that was growing it was attached to me and was going to kill me, but it was the alarms going off going, hey, buddy, you got a really big problem. You're not listening. Okay, so this is showing up. How do you like that? You know, it's between your legs. Every heartbeat you can feel it. It's painful. It's growing. They want to cut it out. 
And 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 you know, actually, I was thinking about getting it cut out, but the, because of where it was strategically placed, it was right completely embedded around all my male plumbing, mm-hmm. all area between my legs. And I was like, I do not, I can't even stand the thought of a doctor putting me in general anesthetic, cutting me open and messing around in that area. You know, it was, I was actually very thankful afterwards that that's where it was because that stopped the surgery. I was like too freaked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't stand it. And it took from 2004 to 2011 until the tumor totally dissolved out of my body by simply detoxing, finding out what was causing the thing. Eventually, my body goes like, I guess I don't need it anymore. And it just dissolved it out. It took That happened between like the spring of 2010 and about halfway through 2011 when it finally dissolved completely. And what did the doctor say, or even your brother as a doctor, when something that no one believed was possible, you know, you just proved it wrong. Yeah, well, they're they're not interested in being proved wrong. They, a lot of times, like my brother, for example, he he did actually notice that there was some quite an iterative change, and that I looked a lot better. And I did tell him that I, this is what I did here and here. And he goes, "Look, you don't have any actual proof other than anecdotal." And he would always refer back to double blind placebo controlled randomized studies, because that's what they all claim to have on these pharmaceutical drugs. And, and I'm like, I said, Doug, if I had to wait for double-blind placebo-controlled randomized studies to do anything that I've done, I'd be dead a long time ago. You know, I just had to make sure it wasn't going to harm me, right? It wasn't going to poison me if I took the stuff. What is that stuff? And, and, if it, and it, if it showed signs of getting better, I would do that more. And if it didn't show those signs after a while, then I would just try something else. So it was a, it was a do no harm is the most important thing. But he knew that something was going on. And so one of the things he came and told me, this is back in like 2010, he said, you know, the Ontario Health, like OHIP, right? The insurance program. He said, you know, if there's something real with this, you could actually do some studies because OHIP doesn't want to have to constantly pay money for all these things that they have to pay for, for people being sick. And, and I said, okay, but what about the pharmaceutical industry who makes, you know, quadrillions of dollars and all the the hospitals with all their surgical procedures making all this money. He goes, yeah, there's, that's, that's there. But OHIP is really not liking to have to pay that. And it's, the system is stressed. So he kind of opened up a little bit to the idea of it. But he, he kept going back. You've got to take it and do all these double-blind, placebo-controlled randomized studies because it's too anecdotal. You know, you got results doing this, but you can't say that that's going to work for somebody else. You just don't know. And that's actually true. In the sense that everyone has a unique background, they have a unique situation, they've been toxified with whatever. I'd worked in the oil field for 17 years. Not many people have done that. You know, so I had this unique kind of a thing. I lived in houses where there was a lot of fungus and mold, a lot of mildew. I didn't know how dangerous that was. So there was, you know, I didn't know about plastics and, you know, all the stuff that estrogenic stuff that hits males that messes with them. And, but anyway, my brother, unfortunately, he got in a situation where, he, was, he had worked on a sailboat. He was an avid sailor. And he had sailed it around the Caribbean for five years to beat it up to get it all ready because he wanted to go around the world. And he had repaired it and got it all ready to go. And was he had gone through the Panama Canal. He was going to head to Fiji. This is on like November, I think it was November 4th, 2010. November 4th, 2010. And he woke up in the morning and he couldn't speak and he couldn't understand what his girlfriend was saying to him. And they were literally going to unhook off the buoy that morning and sail to Fiji from that point across the Pacific. 
And so his, they, they, his girlfriend freaked out. They had to get him to a hospital. Turned out he had a herpes simplex virus that would normally just be in your mouth. Went up into his upper left communication center, put him into a grand mal seizure and then into a coma. And about 98% of the people are dead in 24 hours from this because it shuts down your communication center to your whole body. Oh, wow. And they determined what it was. It took them two days to figure out what the problem was. And it was some kind of a bacterial thing, like the herpes, they call it a virus, but I think it's bacterial. Um, but anyway, they put they had the meds. He was in intensive care for three weeks. They, they were able to stop that from killing him. And then he came out of that he had to come back to Canada. They put the boat back up on the hard. They had to get out of the water. The crew did that for him. And he ended up coming back to Canada. I went and saw him in the hospital because he was in the hospital for a week for observation only. And I took him the stuff that I knew that would deal with that herpes stuff. It was a thing called silver dihydrogen citrate, which is very real. It even says right on the thing that is certified to deal with it. And you have to take it internally. There's no toxicity in it, but it's not registered for consumption internally. And that was the thing that I had gotten rid of my tumor with right at the very end. Because when I took it for two weeks, it blew the tumor up to be like the size of a half of a football. Oh, wow. And then it just shrunk back down again. And then it didn't do anything after that. That was a two-week period. That was in 2010. It shrunk back down and just sat there, even though, even though I kept taking the silver dihydrogen citrate. And then that's what, then I just stopped taking it. And then a year later, it dissolved it in my body. And, but I wasn't giving it to him for that. It was just this, this thing that was bothering him in his head because he was still having seizures for about 30 seconds, about three or four times a day. And he wouldn't take it. He just wouldn't touch it. He goes, I'm not taking that. I don't even know what it is. It was not even made for human consumption. I said, yeah, but I took the stuff. You know, this was the year before. And I told him what happened with me. And I said, no, just take it. What do you got to lose? And he wouldn't touch it. So that was in the beginning of December, 2010. By January 2nd, 2011, he woke up with a headache because he was staying at my sister's place. Woke up with a headache that didn't go away. Right here, right where that thing was. They rushed him down to the hospital. They did a, a CT scan. They saw a mass in here. So they did an MRI, found out that he had a glioblastoma multiform level four terminal brain cancer. That's what that turned into. And he was dead by, on March 28th, he was dead, 2011, of that. And so it was just this like, man... And no matter what I said to him, it didn't matter. He would not listen to even the simplest stuff that didn't even cost money. And because he, he was in the allopathic mindset, and he was a doctor, and he, he told me, he said, I, I told people what to do my whole life. I'm not about to change. I'm listening to what the doctors are telling me. Because it, it was continued in that month of December, his seizures were going from 30 seconds up to about a minute and a half. And the doctors were telling him, oh, no, that's just a sort of an iterative thing. You're just getting, you know, you're going to have to get worse before you get better. And I said, no, you're just getting worse. Like, and then it turned into a tumor. So this is, again, goes back to where these tumors come from. What are they really from? And I know now that most of it is this fungal, fungal garbage, you know, and bacterial overgrowth. And so you just deal with, I dealt with those things and that made the tumor go away. It just took seven years. Yeah, because you didn't you didn't know what you know now, you said, right? Because if you were to go back, you could do it in six or 12 months, taking the right stuff and doing the right changes in your life. That's right. And But the thing that I know now is far deeper than drinking silver dihydrogen citrate. You know, that, that was the one thing that basically cut the whole thing out in the end. But 
it gets back to the actual, how do you get rid of the particulate matter? That's the real problem. Yes. So how do you do that? <clears throat> well, it's again, it goes mathematical. So let's just take it from the top. What, what do you and I do more than anything in our life is we think. We have quadrillions of thoughts every millisecond automatically keeping our body running. We are aware of that. We have our conscious thinking, our subconscious thinking. So that's going 24-7. Our dreams or when we sleep to every, every other thing. The thing we do second most, as we talked about already, we breathe air, 11,000 liters a day. Your body pumps 100 gallons of blood every day. That's the third thing. So the blood is the key. And the blood vessels are dynamically affected by particulate matter you're breathing. What happens to them is they start to get hard and stiff the older you get. Because all this nanoparticle goes in and it makes the... That's why people get high blood pressure. It's called hypertension. Because the body is starting to fill up with all this non-human debris. And it gets hard and stiff. And then people can't get blood through the system efficiently anymore. They get high blood pressure. Then they got to go in diuretics. And then the blood gets contaminated. And the more the blood gets contaminated, the, the sooner you're going to die. Because the blood is what cleans out the particulate matter. And so it's this, this diminishing effect. Your body is less and less efficient at making blood. The blood gets more and more contaminated. The cardiovascular system gets harder and harder. You get higher and higher blood pressure. You have to take diuretics to get rid of more blood because you don't you can't even pump the amount of blood through anymore because your blood pressure is going up, and then you're dead. So what's the opposite of that? We have to go back to what do you make blood from? How do you make blood? You got to have raw material to make blood. Your blood, your body's trying to make blood every day. It produces red blood cells every second. But we're talking about more clean blood. And when you get older, you're producing less and less blood and it gets more and more contaminated. So what I found out was simple. Your blood is made of electrolytes. Okay. You need more and more and more electrolytes as you go because you got to make more and more blood. But what happened is the electrolytes are, have diminished so deeply, badly, that you can't get enough electrolytes in your system through the food. And everybody just relies on the food. Or they think about drinking Gatorade, or they think about some ridiculous thing like taking some electrolyte su supplement from a health food store that's got all the wrong stuff in it. So why do we not have electrolytes in the food anymore? Well, because it's been gone for thousands of years. The electrolytes have been diminished out of the soil for thousands of years. It's not a recent thing. Everybody wants to say, well, you know, since Second World War, you know, the minerals dropped out of the soil. There used to be more minerals in the soil, and the plants would have more minerals, and Grass would have more minerals, and the animals would eat the grass, and we eat the animals, and we eat the vegetables. And, and so it's really bad now. It's like, yeah, right. It's been really bad for thousands of years because distilled water is the problem. Distilled water comes out of the ocean in evaporation, doesn't bring any minerals with it at all. Comes out of the fresh water, same thing. Comes over top of the land, and it rains on the land. Well, what is distilled water? Distilled water is a solvent. It's very hungry and it's looking for minerals and it gets them and it washes the minerals down into the water table below the soil every single day that it rains and it goes out into the little streams and rivers and tributaries and takes all those minerals to the ocean. That's where they are. And, and it's been going on for thousands of years. That's why there's nothing left in the soil properly. That's why everybody dies early. People used to live over 900 years. 
Then they would live 500 years. Then it'd go down to 120 years. Now it's down to 77 years. At one point, because of disease and ignorance, people were living 50 years average. So we think we're doing better at 77 somehow. <laughs> it's like, no. How about 900? How about getting real, getting back to where the real problems are? So the minerals are gone out of the soil. So it's real simple. You have to go to the ocean and get the minerals. And you put them in your water. You make sure they're exactly liquid. And you drink them. And everybody goes, oh, no, 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 no. Everyone knows that you don't drink sea salt. That's bad for you. Oh, yes. If you get, if you get caught in a, in a little life raft when your boat sinks out in the ocean and you're with people on the boat and you don't have any food or water, you're just in the life raft, the people who drink the seawater, they die first because they get all parsed and all cracked up and dehydrated and they die. And that's not the truth. That's never been true. The people who drink a little bit of seawater every day because you got to choke it down to start with because your body doesn't like it. It's like, ooh, that's too strong because you're so demineralized. But once the people get through it, people have been there 35, 45 days on a, on a lifeboat only drinking seawater and they survived quite well, actually. And the people who didn't do it because they knew it was going to kill them, they're already dead, baking in the sunlight. They've got nothing. Now, that's the extreme case. But when you and I go back and there's a perfect formula of getting sea minerals in their liquid form into your body, they have to be free of microplastics, free of heavy metals. It can't be contaminated. There's many areas of the ocean that are very contaminated. You just go to the places that aren't and you get your sea salt and there's an endless amount of sea salt to the quadrillions of tons of it available to us. And you get just a little bit, you put one teaspoon in a liter of water and we have this, this is the first product that we ever found out about, the one I was telling you about, the marine phytoplankton. Oh, yes. This is 100 times strength ocean water. And when I first started using this, just a regular small amount, I noticed a big uptick in my energy and my overall feeling. And people will say, well, what's it going to do for you? And I go, I don't know, but I just know that it charges your battery somehow, makes you really happy, and you get this enthusiasm, and it kind of activates you to want to get healthier. And that's, what, that's where the term activation came from for our company, because this Oceans Alive is the one that stimulated all this inspired stuff. And I didn't know at the time that that was actually hydrating me and, and putting the right exact profile of minerals in my body. So this was where it started. Now I get it. Now I take enough of all this stuff that I'm giving my body electrolytes instead of diminishing. So if the rain distilled water has washed all the soil down and all the minerals gone because it's a solvent, the same exact thing happens in your body. If this was a glass of water and I were to drink it like this, every time I put water in my system, the more pure that water is, the more it's going to remove the electrolytes out of my body because there's an osmotic transfer, a law in this universe that it, the higher salinity has to donate to the lower salinity. Yeah. So, yeah, it just has no choice. It's instantaneous. If I put two glasses into the same thing with one with the sea salt in it melted in and one without, it's going to go to exactly 50% if it's equal amounts. Instantly, like that fast. Same with your body. You pee all these minerals out every time you drink fluid that is less than the electrolyte content your body needs. And your body just wants it from the ocean because that's where all the minerals went. And our body has an ocean inside of it. If you cry a tear, it tastes like ocean water. That's sure, right. Yeah, that's the salty. <laughs> yeah, very salty. Right? And so, and if you have 
you know, if people say you're, you're 80 to 90% water. No, you're not. Water is H2O. You're not 80 to 90% water. In fact, you have no water in your body at all. You have electrolytic fluid that is blood, lymph, interstitial, intercellular, saliva, sweat, mucus, tears, whatever, urine. That's all electrolytic fluid. It's not water. Water is the definition of water is pure H2O. Water is a solvent. And so water has dissolved all the minerals out of our life, away from the farms, away from everything, and they try to put it back a little bit by foliar applying diluted sea, sea mist, you know, seawater that they missed onto the plants, but it's not even close to enough. It's so simple. You just go back and you get the, the sea minerals, and you put it in water, and you drink it all throughout the day. And it's just one teaspoon of unrefined sea salt. Some of the ocean's alive. We have a thing called trace that is in a liquid form of all the trace elements from the ocean. It's all unrefined. They're not heated. They're not damaged. And you put it in your body and your body goes, thank you. This is the raw material that you are donating to your body. Every time you drink it, it adds to your system. And your body goes, oh, I can make blood now. And so your body makes super clean blood every single day, 24 hours a day. And so any of the contaminated buildup in your body takes a year to hydrate your body and to get the accumulated particulate matter you've been breathing down to a manageable level. And then once you're at that one-year place where you've done this every single day, you keep doing it for the rest of your life. You keep drinking. And this stuff tastes so good because it's the, the right profile. And, and I, you're at the po- I'm at the point now where I can barely taste it because my body is almost equal now. So I've got to this place of equality where my body is, is just completely compatible. I, I'm full of all the electrolytes. My body's been producing all this super clean blood, de- deleting all the particulate matter. I've still got some coming out of my lungs. Your body, will it'll come out before it goes in. And so what I'm breathing today is leaving today. And all the accumulated waste that was wearing my body out is gone. <clears throat> and that's where all of us have to go. And it's just being diligent, you know, getting disciplined. I wake up in the morning, I drink one full liter. I grab my two liter jug and that goes with me during, during the day because you got to drink one liter for every 50 pounds of body weight. So I weigh about 167. My normal weight was 157. I would not gain weight. I would not lose weight. When I started drinking the proper amount of the sea minerals in the water, I gained 10 pounds on the scale, but by, my body didn't change in size at all. You couldn't tell I gained any weight whatsoever. Whereas most people, when they put on 10 pounds, they see it in their waist or somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's almost 10% of your weight, right? Like 7%. So it's not small. Exactly. So what I did is I brought the electrolytic amount in my bloodstream up in my lymph and my whole body. Now I got the right number. I was missing 10 pounds of electrolytes. That's really what it was. And so now my body doesn't gain weight or, or lose weight right around 167. It was literally 10 pounds for my body size. And so... Now my body's producing perfect clean blood every day and getting rid of the dirty blood, whereas it cannot do that if you don't produce clean blood. If you don't have the electrolytes, you're not going to be producing clean blood. It's just that simple. So you you don't- let me ask you this. You mentioned research before as well, right? This is all fascinating and it's blowing my mind already. But what have you found through research about the stuff that you're drinking, recommending people put in their water? And of course, like you said, you sold millions of these already, so people are seeing benefits. But what does the research say? Well, so as far as doing a double-blind placebo-controlled randomized study, which is actually what's required to say valid, you know, real valid information. Hey, this is what we saw with 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. 
they did this for this amount of time and they got this. And then we had the other 10,000 people who didn't do this. They got the placebo, right? And they thought they were getting something. And then th- these are the studies. That, that costs a couple hundred million dollars to do that. And that is what's required to call this a drug. You would have to do that to call that a drug. Now it would be a prescription. It would be recognized in the all the all the reference materials. It would have all the published studies on it. And then you could say that this actually works for every single person. So what we have right now is only anecdotal proof that it works because it's logical. Yeah. It's actual logic. It's really mathematical. The molecular weight of this is exactly specific to what it is. When you put it into water, it's going to create the molecular weight of that water that you're going to drink. And you have to bring that salinity in. So that's all we have right now. Because we're this little, we started out this little hippie company back in 2007, became now a very sophisticated, world-class, fully certified, you know, 70,000 square foot facility, you know, registered with Health Canada and US FDA and, and USDA Organic and CGMP and on and on these certifications go to make sure that what we're producing is what we say it is. Mm-hmm. What's on the bottle is what's in the bottle. Now, to go to that from there now to a total study is completely worthy, but it has to, you have to have raise the funding and you've got to do it. Now, something as simple as putting unrefined sea salt in water, that's another thing that will show up because now I saw physical evidence of so many areas of my body that improved just by adding the, the unrefined sea salt to my water and drinking it all day that it blew my mind. You know, if you think about the, the, what are the things that happen that take people out? So the male population, for example. What kills a male if they live long enough? They get prostate right? Yeah, prostate. Prostate cancer. They, they, they'll tell you in the news, in the research, if a man lives long enough, he will get prostate cancer. He just has to live long enough. Most guys die of heart attacks and strokes and whatever other diseases before they get the chance to get prostate cancer. But some people, some men get prostate cancer in their 50s, 60s even, and then they die of that. If they, or they have to remove the thing or it metastasizes the bone or it goes up into the wherever in the body and then it kills them. So why do men get prostate cancer? Because the prostate enlarges. Well, why does it enlarge? And then it starts to fill with poisons because the, the circulation can't get the poisons washed out. Then they lose their urinary function they have to get to the toilet immediately if they have to pee or the prostate seizes up and they can't pee and then it hurts they can't have that and then they lose sexual function because the prostate is tied directly into their sexual function and it's tied into you know all the production of all the stuff the testicles are for testosterone so all, all these things that are going on that become a problem is all based upon dehydration and not clean blood. So the, the dehydration, a gland will swell up when it, when it gets dehydrated. Whereas the opposite happens with an organ. The organ will start to shrink because it's dehydrated. Like dementia and Alzheimer's. They, they open up a cadaver when the person's dead. They had Alzheimer's. They open up the skull and they see a shriveled brain. It's like one third the size of what it was originally. They go, there it is, a shriveled brain. And look at all the aluminum. Look at all the metals in there. Oh, it's the aluminum and the metals that cause the Alzheimer's. No, it's not. It's the dehydration problem, losing their electrolytes that eventually atrophied the brain down to a shriveled mess. 
and the body cannot detox metals if it doesn't have proper blood flow. That's all it is, nothing else. And so I had this situation where I was getting an enlarged prostate starting around 60 years old, and I noticed it. And the, the closer I got up to 64 years old, which is a year ago, I, I was getting more and more symptoms and problems. I had to make sure I got to the toilet to be able to pee because if I didn't, it would be a problem. And I, and I know all about all the supplements that help us enlarge prostate. I know about the devices that help with enlarged prostate. And I was using them and it was helping it to a certain degree to drop symptoms down. But I, but I would do a test. I would go off the supplements and it would come back. I'm like, well, that's not the answer. It's not a supplemental problem. There's something else wrong. Because I don't want to have to take supplement, prostate supplements the rest of my life. Something's wrong. I don't want to have to put something up against my prostate to treat it with pulse electromagnetic frequency to help it shrink down again. Because as soon as I stop doing that, then it comes back. So as soon as I started drinking the electrolytes properly from the ocean in my, in my water, I had to be careful because I'm drinking a lot more fluid that way, you know, three to four liters a day of this stuff. And I was in the situation where I had to make sure I didn't get stuck in traffic and I got to the toilet because I would get seized up even drinking the salt water. And a month and a half into that process, only one and a half months in, which is 45 days, a very short time, I got caught on a, on a, a live interview that was supposed to be half an hour. I drank quite a bit of fluid before the interview started. I had gone to the restroom before I started the interview, but it was building up and, and, and I had to pee. And at the half hour, I'm like, okay, we're going to wrap up, but no, we're not wrapping up. Because the information was so interesting, this guy kept asking me more questions, and it went to a full hour, even though it was scheduled half an hour. And I was busting at the seams going, yeah, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not happy. I went to the restroom after I got off the call, and it had full flow instantly. And I was like, that never happens. Why did that happen? Is it, is it, the, is it the salt water that might have done that? And sure enough, it was. So I did tests over the next month and a half, and I noticed that I could hold my urine as long as I wanted without any seizure at all. And, and I was like, what? So this actually is rehydrating my prostate and cleaning it out. And the blood flow is getting to it. That was only, so in three months, I had also had a whole bunch of typical male symptoms of lowering libido, lowering sexual function. I'd lost about 30% sexual function, which is very noticeable. And that came back to 100% within three months. Like, why, why did it do that? Oh, because of the blood flow cleaning out the prostate, making it work like a young man again. And then, you know, six months later, it's like perfect. So interesting. All to very, do. Very interesting indeed. Yeah. And let me ask you this. So it sounds then that you, were, you haven't been taking the salt as long as I thought you were initially. So you, did you start with them and then go off of them and then restart again last year? No, no, no. I was just taking this with our trace, which is the concentrated sea minerals. I just wasn't taking enough. Ah, okay. I was still drinking lots of water. And of course, all the water, look at the water technology. Everybody brags about they got the best water. You know, my, my water is better than your water. You know, it's vortexed, it's structured, it's pH, it's pure, it's this, it's that. No, guys, you drink that, you're going to be dehydrating yourself and removing electrolytes out of your body en masse until you're dead. So I don't drink water. I turn my water into electrolytic fluid. And it has to be fully dissolved in. So using this, yes. But this, is, this becomes very expensive if you used it to the extent that I needed to. 
So I just went, I've got this really clean, unrefined sea salt that we've now acquired. And we're, we're doing a special thing. It's called activated unrefined sea salt. And I put that into the water. It's super affordable. And it just completely changes your life because now you're, and, and I started with super pure water. I don't use, you know, spring water, none of that stuff. You don't want spring water. Spring water is, is dissolving rocks into itself in nanoparticulate rock. Your body doesn't want rock. It wants ocean minerals. Ocean minerals are the minerals that are biocompatible to your body. All the chloride minerals. The sodium chloride. Everybody's like, oh, sodium chloride is terrible. No, it's an essential fuel for your system. You've been lied to. Oh, it's going to make your blood pressure go up. You know, why would it make your blood pressure go up? Why do people not ask, why would sodium chloride make your blood pressure go up? There's got to be a reason for it, right? Because it does make your blood pressure go up. So I'm, let's go back to mathematical stuff. So when I first started this whole process with the sea salt in the water at the right amount, my blood pressure was 115 over 65. And it's been that way for a long time. That's a good athletic level, healthy blood pressure. Very proud of myself. I'm a healthy guy, you know. I've got a good cardiovascular system. I'm a great example. 64 years old with 115 over 65. So I'm thinking, well, let's see what happens when I start drinking the salt water. Because salt water is going to give my body the ability to produce a lot more blood. And the more blood you produce, the more blood you have to push through your system. If your cardiovascular system is in good health, it won't matter. Your blood pressure won't go up. But let's say, for example, me, this health guy, maybe my cardiovascular system is healthy. Maybe it's not. Let's find out. So within the first three months, my blood pressure went from 115 over 65 resting blood pressure to 180 over 120. And people go, 180 over 120, that's high blood pressure. Yeah, it's high blood pressure. True. So here me, this guy, right? Supposed to be the health guy. Now my blood pressure is 180 over 120. But I knew that that was going to happen. If I had a cardiovascular system that I suspected had a problem with particulate matter being stiff. So hardening of the arteries didn't show up because I just had a regular amount of blood and I'm a regular healthy guy. But now that I've got the right amount of blood, my blood pressure goes way up because the cardiovascular system is stiff like a 65-year-old or a 64-year-old would be at that time. So I was like, okay, this is an interesting lesson. Is it dangerous to have high blood pressure? Yes, if you have a dehydrated body. No, if you're hydrating. Because every time you drink the salt water, those electrolytes that are melted in start to go and clean out the hardened arteries and they become supple again. And within six months, my blood pressure normalized. It went back to normal with all that much more blood. Because all the, my entire, like the arteries, the veins, the microcirculation, all those, are, those walls of all that blood circulation softened back to like a 25-year-old. Now all that particulate matter is gone. The hardening of the arteries is gone. The hypertension is gone. It was manifested by drinking the salt water and adding more blood to my system. Whereas if I would have gone to a doctor, if I would be monitored by a doctor, he's so proud of me. Sir, you got 115 over 65. Your blood pressure is awesome. For a 64-year-old, that's really good. You know, and then I show up the next month and I'm at what you know, 140 over 
you know, 95. Oh, once we're just going up there. And then I show up the next month, I'm at 180 over 120. It's like, sir, we, you are in danger. You're going to have a stroke. You're going to have a heart attack. You're like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm drinking salt in my Stop that. The older you get, the less salt. You can't have salt. You can't have any salt. You got to drink super pure water. And I got to put you on diuretics. We got to get that. We got to drop your blood, blood volume because you're, you're in trouble. You're in a world of trouble. It's like, no, no, doctor. I'm doing this experiment and I'm going to keep drinking the salt water and I don't want your diuretics. Let's just keep monitoring this. And six months later, I show up. I'm back to normal blood pressure. He's like, are you still doing the salt water? More than ever. He's like, I don't understand. Exactly. You don't understand, sir. Do you want to hear the truth? No, not really. Not really interested. You think I'm going to go tell my patients to start drinking salt water, sir? And I'm going to have all my patients get their blood pressure go way up to the roof like yours? I'm not going to have that. That's a, I get malpractice. What if the person died of a stroke? I'd be, I'd be sued because I told them to drink salt water. I'm not going to tell people to drink salt water. You go tell them if you want, but you're, you're liable. You know, you got to be careful. You be careful what you tell people. No, sir, I don't need to be careful. My blood pressure is totally normal now. I just tell people you got to get through the firewall. You got to get over the bridge. You know, do the math, right? <laughs> it works 100%. And what are you seeing with people that have bought this and have used it, either on in the lower dosages or the ones you've been playing with? Well, I've been telling many people in my inner circle. I've been talking to people on interviews like this. I'm getting a ton of feedback from a very positive feedback. I'm finding out that the vast majority of people don't follow through. Some of them do. The people who I really know and they know they, they, they've been watching me for a long time do stuff. And they listened and I, I explained it mathematically because it's all math. It's real science. And so there's a few people only, just a few, who are doing this. A lot of them have come back and said, yeah, I noticed a difference, but it's such a hassle. I, I mean, to have to carry like liters of water during the day, like forget it, man. I tried, you know, I drink the liter in the morning, but then I forget to bring the water during the day. And, and then it's like, ah, I don't have time. I just don't have time. Or, or I'll get the one where it'll, it'll, they'll say, well, man, it's like, oh, all my, like when I, when I have a bowel movement, it's all liquid and I don't like that. I go, you don't like liquid, liquid bowel movements. Okay. So you call that diarrhea. Yeah, that's like diarrhea. You go, no, it's not diarrhea. Diarrhea is when you're sick and your body has to dump tons of stuff out when you're sick. This is not being sick. This is getting rid of all the stuff. So I happen to very much appreciate my bowel movements being liquid and cleaning my body out completely. And within six months of drinking the salt water, my colon was perfectly clean. And there's ways you can test for that. I mean, squeaky clean. My gut health went through the roof in the positive direction because the chlorides, there's 92 different chloride minerals in the sea salt. That gives your body the ability to make hydrochloric acid in your stomach on volume. So now all of a sudden the food starts digesting way better. You have a way better gut health. Everything gets processed. You get more value out of the food. In the morning, when I drink my liter of salt water within 30 minutes, usually to 45 minutes, I empty my bowels completely. Now you got to get a toilet brush because it'll come out a little bit different than the other ones. Big deal. And is that a problem? No problem. Because I don't have anything in my bowels at all. I've used up the food. I've got the full value of the food. Now it's going to go out. And I'm super clean. 
I don't ever get bad breath. I don't ever, ever have the fur in the tongue. I don't get the headaches from constipation. I, it's just like everything completely and absolutely changes. But people don't want that. No, 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 no. I don't like changes. No, they, they tell you, I don't. Yeah, no. I say, no, it's real simple. When you wake up in the morning, drink your liter, get a $2, a two liter Nalgene bottle. Make your water the night before. Make sure that's full. You just grab that when you go. It's got a perfect top on it. Can't break if you drop it. Out you go, out the door. And you got that for the day. You drink that throughout the day. If you weigh 200 pounds, you got to get another liter, another liter. I'm about three and a half liters a day, minimum. And I have no problem at all. But when I first started, oh, what a pain. Because I had, I had, I'm peeing every 15 minutes for like the first two weeks. I'm like, I can't. This is ridiculous. And peeing every 15 minutes, this is a total drag. But then that stopped. The reason I was peeing every 15 minutes because all the retained fluids was, were leaving. Because now I'm finally hydrating my body for the first time in my life properly. And all this excess fluid my body's trying to hold on to because it was dehydrated is now going to release. Now I just pee regular urine times. I mean, we've been on this call for, I drank a liter before the call, about 30 minutes before the call. We've been on this for an hour and a half almost, yeah. Right. And I've been drinking, I drank a whole nother half a liter in this, this is about half a liter worth of fluid. And I, I feel like I got to go a little bit. That's it. So the body completely balances itself out again. There's no rushing around anymore. I'm way into this, of course. I mean, now I'm a perfect example of how, what happens. All the good stuff happens. I'm still, my body is still eliminating things to a certain degree. You know, because it, it keeps doing that. It takes a full year. I'm not at the full year yet. But I've watched physical evidence of this. But the first iteration, I'm, I'd have to tell people, you're going to be on a bit of a roller coaster for a while. Are you going to be good with that? Your blood pressure is going to go up. You're going to be dumping a lot of stuff out of your system. I mean, so much fecal matter came out of my body in the first few months. It was, wow. There was a lot of stuff in there that had to keep rehydrating and rehydrating and rehydrating and leaving. Because it goes through your whole body and cleans it out. The salt is a sanitizer. But most importantly, besides the blood production, is this is fuel. Fuel for your brain power. Fuel for your nervous system. Fuel for every single thing that happens cellularly. This is the fuel that's missing for everybody. And the only way you can find out is by doing it. There is no other way. I could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and try to convince you and go on and on and on with all the reasons why. But until you yourself do it, you're not going to know. So the salt water taught me what it is by doing it. And the more I did it, the more it taught me. And the more I saw things physically happen. I have never seen anything in all the history of my entire health journey to this point that radically changed my body to the better than this one thing. So, And we're talking about the joints. Oh, everything. repair that, that came from this as well, by the sounds of it. Well, no, the joint repair was not from this. I actually did joint repair on a dehydrated body. So the joint repair is a physical treatment that you do to your own body. It doesn't cost any money. It takes a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, a little bit of effort, and a, I mean a bank account full of courage. And you got to build courage. You start out with a little bit of courage by saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this treatment. A little bit of courage. And when you do the treatment, it kind of blows your mind. But it puts some courage in your bank account. 
because you need more courage to keep doing the treatments. And the treatments are physical treatments. They're super simple to do. It, it takes five minutes per treatment. I did eight five-minute treatments to my left knee, and it was completely healed in one week. It went from a knee that I could not snow ski or water ski or twist at all without a blowing up like that. For 39 years, I had to be careful with that knee, from 21 years old to 60. And once those treatments were done, and the knee was completely healed, and you see it physically healing, there's no question about whether it's healing or not, okay? Because the knee blows up. You can still walk around, you're still mobile, but it literally blows up in the sense that it's like all swollen and bruised and everything else. And then it healed completely. It takes a week to drain. And a week later, it was healed. In six months, it was totally restrengthened. And I can do anything I want with this knee. There's no problem with twisting and torquing it. It's like a brand new young man's knee again. And the body built back to the blueprint. It involves stem cell production. It involves releasing all the blocked dead blood and dead cells that were there for 39 years from the injury. It involves getting all the nano razor blades out of that joint completely. All the connective tissue, all the cartilage, getting all the synovial fluid back in, getting the, getting the knee so that it's no longer going to go to the bone-on-bone wearing out stuff. And it replaced everything in my knee. Now, you can't fake that stuff. I can do deep squats. I can do whatever I want. And there's no restrictions at all with my knees anymore. Where I could not do those things. I couldn't do deep squats. I would do two or three of them and it would be like, like a stabbing, knife, knife jabbing into my knee. And that would be stopping. Right? Kettlebell, same thing. Swinging a kettlebell, it just killed me. So I couldn't do the things that my body wanted to do to get healthy. Then I found out, oh, there's all this stuff in there. You got to get rid of it all. You get rid of it by slapping. Everybody goes, you mean like tapping? No, by slapping, okay? So I'll show you what I'm talking about. Which phone should I use? I'll just, uh, this is the, I love, I love showing people this one because there's nowhere to hide on this stuff. And once you do the treatments, it's a treatment that's good for life as long as you keep living. And what we're looking at now, I had this suspicion when I first started learning about the salt water and the slapping thing that that was going to allow my body to continue living at a 25 to 35-year-old age indefinitely. Because if you keep it at that level, why would your body die? It wouldn't die. It would just keep going. It would eventually, you know, die because you can't stop everything. But it would keep it going possibly for hundreds of years. But I can't say, you know, oh, I know now that, you know, we'll live hundreds of years. It's like, how do I, I have suspicions on things. And then I have evidence that, oh, that indicates that that might be true. It looks like that might be true. Well, let's keep going and see. And so all the things that were wearing me out, that were damaging me, that were causing more problems as I was aging are now gone. And now I'm getting better and better and stronger and stronger. So that's a very strong indication that something is up. But I'm not going to be arrogant with people and say, I know, I know, I know for sure and all this stuff, right? This is my left knee. And I'll just show you, can you see this video? Let me turn the, the lights up a little bit higher. That'll help. Okay, so this is, uh, that's my left knee. This knee was injured. Is mm-hmm. that okay? You can see it? Yeah, I can. Okay, you see that I'm holding a, a hand slapper. You can use your hand if you want. You don't need the slapper. But if you use your hand, you got to do it for 10 minutes on one place you can't move. If you use the hand slapper, you just do one place with the slapper. <clears throat> this is a silicon hand that has flexibility. And you keep it flat. You're not, you're not damaging your body at all. You're just doing this treatment. This is a five-minute video, which I'm not going to play the whole five minutes. Yeah, of course. 
let me let me just get this out of the way here. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward it. Okay, let's let's bring it up to like you do it you do it snappy for about two minutes. After two minutes, the knee goes numb. Now this treatment does not hurt me at all. There's no pain involved in this treatment because a year before this, my knee was completely healed. Okay, so I waited a year to do this video. Now, if you see how hard I'm going, that's yeah, very red. I mean, I can I can see yeah, it's, pink. it's pink. All everybody's skin will turn pink when you do this, but I'll I'll show you how loud it is. Can you hear that? Right? Okay, so that that's that's a very significant it's five minutes of the same place without moving off that place. Now, anybody who does that in their knee or any part of their body is gonna blow up. But my body doesn't blow up at all. Not at all. Okay? Nothing happens in this treatment. So in the end, you can see like right at the end, I'm gonna we'll just get it going again. See how hard that is right at the end? You can do that because it's all numb anyway, it's not gonna hurt. And then at the end, it's like that. 15 minutes later, all the pink skin was gone. All the blood went back to just regular. There was no evidence that I'd done a treatment whatsoever. And you cannot do that if it wasn't true and real. So everybody says, oh, the slapping causes all this problem. No, it doesn't. Once you're healed, there is nothing that happens from the slapping. But when you have something wrong with you, because that was my most injured part of my body was my left knee. And this is what it looks like. The year before, you see that? Oh, wow. That's, That's what my knee looked like after the exact same treatment that I just videotaped a year later, right? This is a year earlier. And that's what came out of my knee. You see what I'm talking about seeing is believing? You can't fake this stuff. Okay, that's what came up in my knee after five minutes of treatment on that one area. That's the main injury part of my knee. I'd done my whole knee all the way around, every angle, front, back, sides, top, bottom, everything. But that was the big one, right? Now, that looks like a bruise, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's not a bruise. If that was a bruise, that would be six to eight weeks to heal. You've been hit by a baseball before, and you know how long that took to heal, right? You get hit in the leg by a baseball in a game, wow, right? That, that bruise will be there for six to eight weeks. So there's some, some different angle shots. Yeah, okay. really purple. Look how, look how much it drained. That's only 30 minutes later. 30 minutes on the clock. This is six hours later. Down to pink. Okay, then what happens is it takes about a week to drain. It turns all kind of brown and gray and purple and whatever. And then it just drains all the way up to your hip and all the way down to your ankle. Even though I only did that one area, it doesn't matter. It drains all the way up. <clears throat> the whole leg changes color. And then within a week, it's healed. I had no more pain. I had no more issues from twisting it. And then within six months, because all the nutrients can now finally get to the knee, my knee completely strengthened over the next six months. Now my knee is beautiful. This, that was in 2018 when I did the treatment. In April of 2018, or no, it was May of 2018. This video was April 2019. And I can do the exact same treatment now in 2023, five years later. And it does nothing. My knee is completely healed and there's no problem with my knee. The way that you can tell you have a problem is if you slap exactly on that area, it will blow up. Now, that first treatment, that was not fun, okay? It took a lot of courage to do that treatment because when you start doing it and there's a huge problem inside the body of that area, it starts to light on fire. I mean, it feels like it's burning. You want to stop, but you're not going to stop because you know how it works and you keep doing it. Don't worry about it. It's all the same. Every time the treatment is the same, 
It's just the results are different depending on the level of injury in your body. I did my right knee the same way. I didn't get nearly as much out of my right knee because I wasn't injured when I was 21 years old by a firewall falling on top of me and crushing my knee, right? Oh, that only happened to my left knee. So the treatments are always the same. The results are always different. But, but if it's really injured, it will swell up, it will burn, it will bruise, and it will really hurt. And then when the five minutes is done, you stop. And you amp it up more and more and more during the five minutes because it gets more and more numb and you keep going. Like, you know, and it, and it's, a, it's not bashing something. And it's not just doing this. That does nothing. It's doing this. You hear that? The yeah. difference? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a whipping kind of a slap. It's, it's, you're not damaging anything. You're stimulating. So what it does is through percussion and vibration and frequency, you release all this stuff that's in your body. Plus, you're sending a signal to the brain to say, hey, there's a trauma site down here. Please send stem cells. I need repair now. I'm stimulating a repair mechanism that the body automatically has. That's why the swelling happens. So I've seen a, a, a guy with a torn meniscus, and this is an extreme case, but it was the exact same treatment that I just showed you with the hand slapping on the knee. And he had a torn meniscus in his right knee. It was a two-year-old injury. And, and the treatment never changes. And as it was happening, after two minutes, it started to swell up like I'd never seen a knee swell up before. And when the, when the treatment was done, it looked like that. You see that? See how swollen up it is? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, that puffed up like a loaf of bread. And the whole time it's happening, because that was the first time he'd had a treatment, and I, and I told him, it will heal your knee. Your knee will heal itself. I mean, the treatment doesn't heal anything. The treatment just releases all the stuff so the body can heal itself. And it started to swell up after a couple of minutes. He goes, oh, are you injuring me? Are you injuring me? I said, his name is Brian. I said, Brian, you're not getting injured at all. I don't know why it's swelling up. I've never seen this happen before. Don't worry about it. You can't be for this. And, and then within one hour, that swelling was completely gone. Within one week, his torn meniscus was healed. The slapping didn't heal it. It's the power of your own body that then. It's the, the power. body. Right. The, now the body can get access to it because it's released all the stuff that was in the way. And the torn meniscus, is, you never hear about those being healed. They're usually surgically repaired. So am I understanding this correctly? Just one five-minute session did all of that? Correct. And how do you know which place to tap on, essentially? To slap on? Yeah. yeah. I wish it was tapping. Okay, yeah, you're right, slapping. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so you just know where the problem is by what happens when you slap an area. So I'm in the process of doing my entire body. It takes a few years to do that. And I don't do it all the time. But I'm going through my body methodically. I've done the major areas, like the, the shoulders. I haven't done all of my hips yet, but I've done both knees completely all the lower extremities, all the way down to my feet, because there's a lot of problems in people's bodies down there. They get, you get cramping and Charlie horses and plantar fasciitis and all that stuff goes away by this treatment. And, and then you just go through your whole entire body. Every square inch of your body is always the same treatment. You start out snappy and fast, not too hard. And then as it goes and you slow it down and then you're like this, right? And it's just five minutes. And, and the, the clock is the boss. You turn, you turn the, uh, the clock on to climb up, and you got to do five minutes. So if you start at 30 seconds, do five minutes and 30 seconds. You don't stop until it's done. And you take advantage of it, and you don't back off. You don't, oh, I'm going to go like this. It's not going to do anything. Don't waste your time. you got to have courage. you got to amp it up, and you got to be not afraid to do it. And you got to want to actually be healed. 
If you don't want to be healed enough, then you're not going to do it. You will stop. Your body will say, stop. We're not doing this. I'd rather die than feel this pain. Thank you. Bye now. We're not doing this. And so that, that's what happens with most people. So I, I'll tell everybody this every time. But all the stuff that actually works, I find that maximum 4% of the people will do it. Maximum. So far. That means 96% of the people who hear about this go, I'm not doing that. And, and that's a sort of a, an international statistic, about 4%. 4% of the people in this earth will do whatever it takes to have a good, long, healthy life and be fit and, do, and be happy. Yeah, I mean, that's, we can relate it to technology because, you know, I have a math background. I mean, technology, working technology, and it's the same thing when you're, where you're changing something, especially a drastic change. You'll have early adopters, but that percentage is small, right? It's in the low digits, like you said, 4 or 5%. So it makes sense. And then you see those people having success and now the rest of the people will be another 10% maybe. The yes. next wave and the next wave, right? It takes time for people to open up because like you mentioned earlier, change is so difficult. Mm -hmm. And when you involve pain yep. or bruising or against. Bruising, crapping your brains out, headaches, high blood pressure. Are you going to go through the firewall? Are you willing to go through the firewall? I did. I went through it. But I went through it. I can't go through it for you. Yeah. Right? 4%. So are we in the 4 percentile? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get healthy and live a long time? Because it's worth it. And everything you do, you'll be so thankful. I'm so thankful I went through this stuff. I am absolutely thankful and full of gratitude that I went through it, that I was willing to do this stuff. Because now I know that 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 it works. And I can physically tell you. Can you imagine if I were to get on the call today right now and say, you know, I think that if drinking seawall, sea salt water, you know, there's some logic to this. And I think if you do this and if you do that, I, I, I heard that it works really good. It's like, you heard, what do you mean you heard that you wouldn't know it? You didn't do it? Well, no, no, I'm thinking about doing it. It's like, shut up. You don't know anything that you're talking about. But when I show up and I've done it and I see the physical evidence, it was like, you know, did you know that if you slap your body for five minutes and it lights on fire and gets all swollen and bruised and burning, that that'll heal it? Did you hear that? You know, I heard that. Have you ever done it? Well, no, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it. No, I show up. It's happened already. It's done. I can show you physically. It's my knee. You can challenge me right here live and say, get a slapper and show me right here. I, I want you to prove this. I think we'll do as a part two, right? We'll show people even more. This has been so fascinating, Ian. I mean, so much new information. And at the very least, it challenges people's thought process and they can do their own research and say, hey, you know what? I can find out more on this. Maybe I want to try, maybe I don't. That's up to them, right? Everyone has a choice. And that's the beautiful right. part. And I like what you said in your, in your mission and your business's mission. But let me ask you this. If people want to find out more, Right, because we barely scratched the surface with all the things that we talked here. Where can they find you or talk to you or your organization? Where can they find out more? The best place to go is activationproducts.com. And there they'll find access to the most important raw material nutrients, like the nanonutrients, micronutrients they need to give their body the fuel it requires. That's number one. And then number two, they can subscribe to our email list, which will then get them access inside the, the portal to all this really key information. Most of the things that I talk to you about, I can't publicly advertise, right? So, because people just like it, it's, and then there's an educational component to it. 
But yeah, subscription to the email list is the most important thing. That will open up gates to the internal community as well. So it's just a matter of, and then on social media, I'm either Ian Clark activated or just Ian activated, whether it's like TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, that kind of thing. So they can find me on those platforms. I'm always sharing information out there as well. There's no cost involved in the information. You get access to it. And uh, I just want to get as much of these keys to people as possible. And the, the, the final key is the nutrient side and how do people reduce their cost of their food bill to 25% of what it is now, but at the same time, eat the most rich foods on earth that their body wants. So you need to eat a lot less. You have a lot more fun eating. You have a massive benefit from the nutrients you get. And then you drop your cost to 25%. And then you stop spending money on all these unnecessary supplements and get only to the definitive things that your body wants. Because less is more when you're putting stuff in your body. You want highly concentrated, unrefined, undamaged nutrients that go in. And then your body thanks you for over and over again by rewarding you with a healthy body, a higher quality of life, and a luxury body to walk around it. Wow. So I know we've talked for a while, but can you just give us a sneak peek into what it looks like and how can we claim 25% of the bill? Because, mm -hmm. of course, in today's day and age with the recession, everyone wants to save money. And eat better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, well, I think the first point is that the people have to get rid of all their titles. I was very entitled in my life and I didn't know it. And I went, like, why do I have to have all these titles? You know, like you get all these different types of diets. You got, you know, vegan, vegetarian, keto, carnivore, paleo, you know, all these diets, all these. No, it's like not that at all. What? What are the things that work? The, what are the most important nutritional profiles your body needs? It absolutely has to have. Now, what if, I don't, what if I don't have that in my diet? What if my diet restricts me from having that? Or what if my title says that I can't do this? Or what if my religion says I can't do that? Well, then you're, you're completely screwed because you're not going to be versatile to do the things that your body actually needs. And there's scientific realities of what the body actually needs. Now, one of the hints on this will be the most important food that I take every day is a an, an pasture-raised, organic, meaning that it's not fed poison, egg yolk. I don't touch egg whites. An unrefined, right, meaning not cooked, pasture-raised, organic, clean egg yolk. Inside that egg yolk is all the food your body could possibly want to build make hormones to repair DNA. It's got all the fats, all the proteins, all the nutrients, the pigments, the, the oils. I mean, it's got so much going on in there in that one little thing. But if you cook it, it's ruined. And so I mix it with heavy cream. Just gently blend it with heavy cream so it doesn't damage it. it becomes a luxury smoothie. You can add in other powders if you want, you know, like whatever the favorite powders you got. And it makes the texture and you got this luxury smoothie every morning. That one thing made all the difference in my world as far as what my body, oh, wow, I got this super concentrated nutrient hit in the morning. That holds me until two in the afternoon. I get full energy, full brain power, full everything out of it. I don't tax my system with something that's very difficult to digest. We take the egg whites and compost them on the, on the farm because they become a super nutrient for the soil when you compost them. But I don't touch the egg whites because they have avidin in them and avidin blocks biotin, which I don't want to be blocking biotin. It's an anti-nutrient. The egg, egg whites have no value to me at all. 
And everybody goes, oh, no, you just got to have egg whites only. Forget about the yolks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you guys have egg whites only and forget about the yolks. Exactly. Do what you want. If you want to only have egg whites, you can only have egg whites. I only want egg yolks for a very specific reason, and I don't touch egg whites. But you don't have to do what I want. You do what you want. Exactly. And, and I think that's the power it's you have a choice. Right. And if you're a vegan, if you want to be a vegan and you can't have egg yolks, then you have to be a vegan and you can't have egg yolks. And I'm totally good with that. I want people to do what they want to do, not what I want to do. I just found out what works for the human body across the board for everyone. And I see the attack on eggs right now. There's an attack on eggs. But we have our own farm. And there's attack on people having their own farm. But then there's ways to make sure they don't come near you and they don't bother you with your farm. But if you don't know the paperwork, then they can come and say, oh, well, we're going to take this land. Law of the jungle. There's a whole <laughs> yeah. bunch of things you have to learn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so much, so much to learn. Well, Ian, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has been eye-opening for me. Lots to digest, lots to look into. As so many seeds have been planted, at least in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. If nothing else, the idea of challenging the status quo and not taking what everyone else, you know, says it should be, or it could be, make your own decisions. Do I want to try this? It worked for Ian, it worked for the people that, you know, he works with and those that have taken it? Sure. Do you want to go through the pain? That's a different choice to make. And that's one that I think a lot of people will have a hard time overcoming, right? The, the pain associated with making a change. And I'm looking at myself, I'm turning 40 this year, Ian. And if I want to get healthier, which I do big time, and I'm making changes in that regard, there, there is a lot of pain that comes with that. There is a lot of, I wouldn't say suffering, but I would say discomfort. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So how much are we willing to push through that? I think that's the big question that will come. We'll have to come to face with because for 40 years I've done, well, let's say 20 years of my life, I've done diet-wise, I've eaten too much garbage, right? I've allowed too many things to come in. I can't expect that to change in one day of taking or taking care of myself, right? It will take time. It shouldn't take 20 years to fix it, but it won't take a day. I know that for a fact. That's right. It takes about six months, somewhere in there. And you'd be very, very, very gentle with yourself where you're transitioning to doing what you want to do. So you're changing the wants. So it goes high risk, low reward for the things that people normally do. You want to go low risk, high reward. So you think it'll always like, do you love being healthy more than you love the food you're eating? Do you love being healthy more than the, the, the habits you have in your lifestyle? You got to make the decision. Exactly. And I love that, Ian. Well, thank you so much. People know where to find you. I'll put them in the show notes. And yeah, that's it for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today. To find out more amazing content and episodes, please visit UnleashThyself.com or you can find us on social media.